Financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, my guest says, forget global warming. We're heading into a major ice age. The problem we have is that every one of these cycles, the little one, the, the, the larger one, the big one, they are all due right now. They are all due. We had our last major, major, major glaciation 105,000 years ago. Uh, We had uh, the one that killed the mammoths. That was 11,500 years ago. We had uh, the Little Ice Age, uh, which was in the 1600s. It was a period then when the Earth went about 50 or 60 years with no sunspots whatsoever. We are in, and this comes from NASA, this is not from me, but right now we are in the the lowest sunspot cycle that we've seen in at least 100 years, and I, I fear that it's going even deeper. This podcast is brought to you by International Star Registry. Buying a unique and romantic Valentine's Day gift for that special someone can be incredibly difficult. It's a delicate balance of finding a thoughtful gift that isn't too expensive, but tells people you really care. And let's face it, the same old flowers and candy just aren't special. Imagine counting down the days to February 14th, dreaming of romance and knowing you chose the perfect Valentine's Day gift. International Star Registry lets you name an actual star in the sky after your special someone. It's the most unique Valentine's gift of all time. This year, put love in the air. Name a star after someone you love. They'll remember it forever and never forget your special gift. The address is getarealstar.com. Getarealstar.com and give someone the gift of a real star in the sky. That address again, getarealstar.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. 
exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Well, hi, how are you? Great to be with you. Over the next 45 minutes or so, my guests and I are going to talk about what else? The weather, in particular, cold weather. You know, it's summertime down in Tasmania, and they recently had a snowstorm. A blanket of snow was covering parts of the of the Sahara Desert just a few weeks ago. So how do all of these, so how do these weather events tie in? With a coming ice age, my guest says that there are repeated cycles of ice ages that show up in the geological records. These include the solar retrograde cycle every 180 years, the little ice age cycle every 360 years, which is related to minimal sunspots, the Milankovitch cycle every 11,500 years, and the orbital stretch, which is every 105,000 years. And the problem, he says, is that every one of those cycles is due to hit, and there's nothing humans can do to stop it. These are all natural cycles. Ice ages can come and go rather quickly. In fact, in the last 250,000 years, Every ice age began in less than 20 years, going from temperatures we have today to glacial severity. Yet the cold snow and ice decrease, yet the cold snow and ice decrease as you move further south, such that, uh, say, for example, Florida was only three degrees colder than it is right now uh, during the last ice age. Food production and farming could be heavily impacted by a colder climate. And he also warns that ice ages can be triggered by magnetic reversals, which are changes in the Earth's magnetic field, as well as how many glaciers. And we'll also get into the whole discussion as to whether glaciers are growing or retreating. Robert Felix is a former architect who became interested in the Ice Age cycle back in 1991. He spent the next eight and a half years full-time researching and writing about the coming Ice Age. He then concentrated on spreading the word. Robert's book, Not by Fire But by Ice, has achieved international acclaim with readers around the world. Today, Robert continues his research and is more firmly convinced than ever that the next Ice Age could be any day. In fact, he believes it may have already begun. Robert Felix, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? It's been a long time. It has been a long time, Richard. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I want to ask you about the fact that we have ice sheets still in Greenland, in uh, the Arctic, the Antarctic. Does that mean we are technically still in an ice age? <laughs> you know, you're one of the. I think you're probably the first person who has asked me that, but yes, that does technically mean we're in an ice age because there have been a lot of times in history when when that has not been the case. Uh, so certainly there's been a lot of times in history when it's been a lot warmer than it is today. So there, there have been periods in our history uh, when the Antarctic and the, uh, the, uh, the Arctic were entirely free from ice. 
Yes, and and of course, there's also the fact that there have been times in our history when there were no continents at either of those. There was no land at either of those places because continental drift has has moved you know, over the billions of years. Continental drift has has moved uh, chunks of land around completely around on this planet. But but for the last, uh, I'm trying to guess now, but I'm I'm thinking probably since the dinosaurs have been around why like, that's pro- no i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure when those areas were not covered with land but but definitely there have been a lot of times when it's been hugely warmer than it is today and is there a timeline for glaciation that is predictable can we say give or take a hundred thousand two hundred thousand years that these are the the periods of time when ice ages will occur and have occurred Oh, I absolutely say there is. Yes, you know, and in my book, not by fire but by ice, I cover that. But there's a few of them. Um, uh, there's there's quite a few cycles, as a matter of fact. There's the smallest cycle is something called the the solar retrograde cycle, which is about every 172 years. But uh, the sun actually has its own little orbit, and that orbit slightly changes, and so every 172 years, about it gets cooler. Then when you double that cycle, about every 360 years, we have what is known as, as uh, the Little Ice Age cycle, uh, when when sunspots seem to really uh, uh, go down and we go into what is called a Little Ice Age. Then you multiply that times four, there's a bigger uh, cycle about every, hundred and, uh, every 1,470 years. There's another cycle when it gets cooler. Then there's the bigger one. There's the cycle that that uh, killed the mammoths. There's a, a cycle about every eleven thousand five hundred years, the Earth gets uh, quite a lot cooler. And and uh, well, eleven thousand five hundred years ago, when the mammoths went extinct, that was a, a darn big big extinction. That covered that killed forty percent of the larger mammal species. And then there's a, uh, a really big cycle about about every 105,000 years uh, we go into an ice age. And that cycle is based on something called orbital stretch. And what that has to do with is that our orbit, the Earth's orbit around the sun, is not a perfect circle. It's, it's uh, elliptical. And so sometimes we're farther away from the sun and, and sometimes we're closer. But that cycle of of the earth um, of our that rotation around the sun that cycle takes about 105,000 years the problem we have is that every one of these cycles the little one the, the the larger one the big one they are all due right now they're all due they so. are all due we had our last major 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 glaciation 105,000 years ago uh, we had uh, the one that killed the mammoths. That was 11,500 years ago. We had uh, the Little Ice Age, uh, which was in the 1600s. It was a period then when we went, the Earth went about 50 or 60 years with no sunspots whatsoever. Well, right now, we are in, and this comes from NASA. This is not from me, but right now we are in the, the lowest sunspot cycle that we've seen in at least 100 years. And I, I fear that it's going even deeper. How long do these so, sol- solar minimums last? 
The solar minimums, uh, I think it varies, because, and, and not everybody's aware of what's going on, uh, and, and they like to blame humans. Uh, during, the, during the last solar minimum in the 1600s, um, they were blaming witches, and, and uh, they blamed about 50,000, they, they burned about 50,000 so-called witches at the stake because they were causing climate change, if you will. <laughs> uh, and, and now we're we trying to laugh, blame humans no. again. No, no, because 50,000 <laughs> people did get killed because, I mean, burned at the stake, uh, innocent people, because they weren't causing climate change. And, and I see no way, you know, I do not think that humans are causing today's change. It's, it's absolutely predictable as far as I'm concerned. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files. And what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal. But if you want more, listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation. Because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I want to talk to you about some interesting weather events recently, and these are also to be found on on your website. We had a a summer blizzard in Tasmania. We had icy road conditions uh, in Morocco. Tell me about those. Well, in, in Morocco, yeah, it's. Uh, I think Morocco was it was like the first. Uh, you know, I'm trying to remember now of, of what in the world I put on my, my, my website, but I think it was the uh, it was the first snow there in Morocco and something in that part of Morocco in at least 50 years, um, and and it paralyzed. I mean, it was and it was the second snowstorm in in like two weeks for that part of Morocco. On January 20th, there were 5,000 kilometers of road closed. That's 
3,100 miles of roads were closed due to the exceptional sun, uh, snow. And then, uh, uh, then just a couple of days ago, uh, gee, I guess it was just yesterday, but uh, they had uh, the first snow in southern Morocco in 50 years, and they just paralyzed the traffic. So, they, yeah, there's stuff going on out there that I think is, is indicative of where we're headed right now. There was a blanket of snow on the Sahara Desert. Yes, there's the other. There's been snow on the Sahara Desert this year, uh, which is 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 not normal. Uh, but yeah, we just see this stuff going on all the time. You know, a, a big one that I that I just had I just posted recently. But a couple of years ago, my wife and I uh, visited uh, France. And I wanted to look at uh, the various things that have happened over the years. And we went down to Avignon in in, uh, Provence. And in Avignon, there's a bridge, an old bridge that was built. And I mean, we're talking a huge bridge, actually. It was uh, at that time when it was built in the 1100s. It... uh, it extended from Avignon across the Rhone River, and it was more than a half a mile long. Well, that bridge, when you know, I was talking about the little ice age that in the, in the 1600s is where the biggest part of it was. And in the early 1600s, they started having more and more floods coming down the Rhone River. And, and toward the end of the the period, I think it was 1687, but any, or maybe 67, I don't remember. But anyway, a huge flood came down, an ice, one of those little ice age floods, and wiped out all but three sections of that bridge. And so I was lucky enough when I was there to get some pictures. And uh, it's this stuff that little ice ages can do are, are very, very dangerous. Because it's not about temperature necessarily it's not about freezing cold it's just about precipitation right it's about precipitation it's it's about uh, a lot of it yes because yeah they don't call it they they don't call it uh, a cold age they call it an ice age because um i i remember reading when i was when i was studying on this there's uh there was a oh boy i'm not thinking of his name right now but somebody with the uh uh Lamont Doherty Earth Observatory. Morris Ewing is his name. But he had said in the 1970s that it was cold enough already to have an ice age. All we needed was more precipitation. And we've been getting it. it we're getting more and more of that. So, you know, what? we're not talking about cold. We're just talking about more and more precipitation. And if that precipitation falls in the winter, of course, while well, you're getting these huge, huge snowstorms, and that's where it is. I, I don't see, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're going to see glaciers come, you know, creaking out of the north and they're going to be expanding, you know, two feet a day or whatever. No, no, it's what it is. It's called snow blitzes, but it just snows more and more and more. And once that snow is about 100 feet deep, then it starts compressing into into ice. And that's how you get ice ages is is just more and more snow. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it creeps down from the north, that these glaciers grow. Uh, it could happen sort of simultaneously around the world all at once. 
It, I don't know if it would be all at once because it's going to rain in one place and then or snow in one place and then snow in another. Because during ice ages, also there's there's many times when parts of the world will have drought because the moisture is going somewhere else. One of the things that does happen though all over the world during an ice age is sea levels go down. And so all of this hysteria I hear about, you know, rising sea levels, I think it is very misplaced. Sea levels have been rising for the last 9,000 years. Well, they've been rising since the end of the, of the, the Younger Dryas, which is the period of glaciation that killed the mammoths. But because during the last ice age, somewhere, you know, all of that water in order to build up the ice sheets over Canada, all of that water had to come from from somewhere, came from the oceans. So during the last ice age, the oceans were actually about 400 feet lower than they are today. The oceans have been rising about a third of an inch a year for 8,000 years. There's nothing unusual about sea level rise, except that in 2011, sea levels dropped just a little tiny bit. In 2012, sea levels dropped just a little tiny bit. Then they, they started going up again. And then last year, sea levels dropped again. And this is not my imagination. This comes from, from uh, uh, NASA, that uh, satellite measurements show that sea levels dropped just a little bit last year. I think we are seeing the beginning of this this new I say a uh, little ice age at least uh which would lead into a bigger one presumably I think so there's there's a lot of people uh, well there's a lot of people that comment on my website and some of them are, are very brilliant people but some of them think it's going to be uh 300 years away before we go into the big one but I I think this one could actually morph into a larger ice age. What would a little ice and, age look like? Well, a little ice age, during the last little ice age, is that uh, the, the glaciers started advancing out of the Alps, and there were many uh, um, villages where the ice started advancing into their towns. And part of the way they still know this is is that that many farmers were petitioning for lower taxes because their fields were getting covered with ice. But the, the, uh, uh, now in the United Kingdom, let's say there is is that uh, they weren't they weren't getting covered with ice. But what happened, let's say in the United Kingdom, is that the rainy season lasted a couple of weeks longer in the spring. So. Farmers weren't, weren't able to plant their, their fields for a couple of weeks too late. But then the rainy season returned two weeks early in the fall, and they couldn't harvest. So, And that's the big thing I worry about, even more than ice, is food. Because during the Little Ice Age, literally millions, and that's true I mean, in the little, literal meaning of the word, millions of people died of starvation. So that, to me, is a really big worry is food. Well, you you look at uh, wheat production in places like Russia and Canada. We have a pretty short-growing season as it is. It wouldn't take much. Uh, no. Or in the in the American Midwest, it wouldn't take much, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, as you say. Either way uh, could cause huge, massive wheat shortages. 
it could. And and the other thing that I see now, during the Little Ice Age, uh, and there there is some controversy here, but what I see is that that uh, volcanic activity picked up substantially. And so what you've got is that volcanic volcanic activity is also uh, affecting the crops because it's it's creating more of the clouds up there and the sulfur and everything in the skies. But uh, if we had a big volcanic eruption, I think that could tip us into the into at least a little ice age pretty quickly. So how how will it begin? We'll we'll wake up one day, it'll start to snow, and it just won't stop. Well, I think, no, it won't do that, I don't think. But I, I think that we'll be seeing bigger snowstorms. And, and of course, we are see, seeing uh, uh, record-breaking snowstorms this year. We've seen them in last year, certainly. California had, had record snow last year. There are many places in, in the country this year that have had uh, record uh, snowfall and record cold. You know, just... Uh, just within the last month, they have had record cold in the United States. I imagine a lot of Torontoans like to go to Florida for the winter. Oh, yes. And, well, they were having freezing all the way down into Florida. You know, a hundred years ago, they could grow orange groves. They could grow orange crops successfully and commercially in North Carolina. And then the line where they could grow them successfully moved to South Carolina. And then the line where they could grow them successfully moved to Georgia. And now the line where they can grow orange crops successfully is in Florida, and that appears to be moving further south. So I think the orange trees alone are are telling us something. One of the things I learned in my studies is that during an ice age, the the climate of Chicago essentially moves to Georgia. And I think that's what we, now that's in a big ice age, a smaller one. I don't know how far south that climate will will go. Does that mean the Cubs will be playing in Atlanta? (laughs) (laughs) They might might get kicked out. (laughs) Uh, It'll take another 108 years before they win another World Series. Uh, what about? Uh, I want to talk about glaciers um, because there's so much conflicting information, and I don't necessarily want to get into a, a discussion about uh, you know uh, global warming. Uh, but there is a lot of conflicting data about glaciers. Some are receding; others, for example, the, the Hubbard uh, Glacier up in Alaska. Uh, I, I believe since the record started, they started taking records somewhere around 1890 or something. I mean, it is growing and getting thicker and moving out into Disenchantment Bay. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you cite Hubbard Bay, but then someone else comes at you with a couple of other glaciers that may be receding. What's the story with glaciers? Well, that's what glaciers do. Some of them recede and some of them advance. There's also the Taku Glacier uh, in Alaska, south of Juneau. That glacier is advancing. Uh, There are glaciers that are growing in the United States, but... uh, I don't know, the media, I guess, kind of likes to hide that. But Mount St. Helens, if you remember, what was it, 1980, that Mount St. Helens in Washington State erupted. Well, before Mount St. Helens erupted, it was covered with several glaciers. 
And so at the eruption, then all of that ice melted almost instantaneously, and it, it came rushing down the Toodle River along with, with boulders and trees and bulldozers and, and whatever was in the way. Well, that glacier, or the glaciers on Mount, on Mount, Saint, Mount St. Helens, although they disappeared, there is now a glacier in the crater that, that was created by that eruption. It's called Crater Glacier. That glacier is now bigger than all of the glaciers were put together in 1980, all the glaciers on Mount St. Helens. So it's something that you're not hearing about. Um, in northern Washington, there's Mount Baker. There's, there's uh, uh, glaciers on Mount Baker that are that are growing. And uh, uh, geologist Don Easterbrook has has uh, written papers on that to to show the evidence that they are growing. Uh, glaciers up until a couple of years ago, glaciers were growing on Mount Shasta in California. Um, and I'm assuming that, that last year's snow may have triggered it again. But uh, I, I know when I first came out with the book that there were seven glaciers on Mount Shasta. All seven of those glaciers were growing. In in the Himalayas, we you know we used to hear about that the, all of the glaciers on the Himalayas were going to be gone by by 2035. Well, it turns out they were basing that on one non-scientist's word. And it turns out that the glaciers on Mount Everest are growing. Glaciers on K2 are growing. Glaciers on Manga Parbat, I think that's the name of it, is, are growing. Uh, in fact, there's more than 230 glaciers in the Himalayas that are, that are advancing. Um, Greenland, you know, I've been hearing about all this talk about the melting ice, but uh, this year the ice in, in the, the uh, Greenland ice sheet is, is growing. The mass balance is growing. What about elsewhere and, and in our, the Arctic? Because uh, Antarctica, I think some of it, but let me just mention Antarctica too, because Antarctica is, contains almost 90% of all of the world's ice. The Antarctic ice sheet is growing thicker. So just that alone, I mean, that's 90% of the world's glaciers right there. That right. means that 90% of the world's glaciers are growing, and all we're hearing about is the, the few that have been melting back. Every year, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration issues its report card on ice, and 2017, they said the uh, the ice in the Arctic was at, a, it was at one of its lowest points in 1,500 years. Uh, should we be concerned about that? I don't think we should be concerned about that at all. Um, I am not always sure of the information that we're getting, um, but but I do know at least that the Greenland ice sheet is growing. And you know, with the with the temperatures the way they have been in the Arctic, you know, it it goes up and down. But I think that uh, we're going to be seeing those ice sheets coming back very strongly. Well, Robert, as we get older, we want our bodies to come back stronger, and our bodies deserve the best. But you know, how do we choose the very best nutritional supplements or even know what's in them? Life Extension has been helping people stay healthy for over 35 years. Just like with the foods you eat, the quality, purity, and potency of the ingredients in your nutritional supplements really do matter. 
Life Extension Supplements set the gold standard for supporting weight loss, heart, brain, bone, joint, eye, skin, sexual health, and so much more. Their formulas are based on the latest scientific research and clinically validated dosages. That's one reason why 98% of their customers recommend Life Extension to their friends and family. Every Life Extension product is backed by a total satisfaction guarantee. The bottom line, Life Extension is the brand you can trust with your health. Check out Life Extension products with special savings. Visit SmartClickIdea.com. That's SmartClickIdea.com. SmartClickIdea.com. Richard has tiny talking insects living in his sock drawer. We have bags and we are living in Richard's sock drawer. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Robert Felix is with me, the author of Not by Fire, But by Ice. We're talking about the coming ice age. What about calving uh, in in uh, Antarctic? We've been hearing a lot about that. These pieces of um, the glacial shelf breaking off, calving, they call it. What's going on there? Calving is something that happens with ice sheets all the time. It's been going on for well as long as ice sheets have have existed. Now, when you have a when you have a glacier on land then you don't have calving because the glacier, the, the land holds up the glacier. But when you have a glacier which advances into the ocean, all of a sudden there's nothing underneath to hold the glacier up, and so it calves. That happens whether the glaciers are advancing or, or contracting. As long as there's nothing under there to hold them up, they're going to calve. That's, that's, that's what glaciers do. Kilimanjaro. So, uh, Sorry, go ahead. Finish your point there. Well, I just I just don't see that that it's an issue. I really don't see that it's an issue. And the other thing, just just I'd like to mention, you know, there's a Canadian uh, glacier, and I'm trying to think of the name of it. I've, I've visited up near um, uh, Athabasca Glacier, and I, I have visited the Athabasca Glacier. That's up near Lake Louise in in uh, um, Alberta. Right. But anyway, I visited that. And when you get there, yes, the ice is melting back. And then underneath the ice, there are tree stumps, thousands of tree stumps. So what does that mean? What that means to me that it used to be warm enough, warmer than today, it was warm enough 3,000 years ago that there were great forests there that then got covered with ice, which is proof all by itself that it used to be warmer than it is today. Right. The other sort of barometer uh, seems to be Mount Kilimanjaro. We were preoccupied. Is there snow or is there not snow atop Mount Kilimanjaro? And in 2010, apparently it was receding or was gone. And then 2011, it, it showed up again. What's the status with uh, Kilimanjaro? I I can't answer that one. I don't know. I've I've heard that the that the that the snow there was melting, but I think it has to do with with the rainfall. But I I'm not I'm not enough up to date to talk to answer you about Mount Kilimanjaro. How will we know if the ice age has begun? What will you be looking for specifically? Uh, a few specific things, I guess. One specific thing would that I would be looking for sea levels to start declining, 
And with our wonderful satellite capabilities now, I think we'll be able to tell. Uh, so, you know, more, one year is not a history. And, you know, when they declined in 2011, 2012, that does, that's not a trend yet. But if we start seeing sea levels trending down, then we're automatically going to see, that's going to, the only reason that would happen is because if the ice starts accumulating. So that would be one thing to, to see. Uh, I guess if we're just seeing bigger snowstorms in the north, uh, but but again, there's going to be droughts in some area because because all of that water is being locked up in the on top of Canada, on top of you, uh, you know, as, as ice. Why so uh, there's there's not going to be as much precipitation to go around. Another thing that that I think that will will portend an ice age is if we start seeing a lot more underwater volcanic activity. And how does that and, contribute? Well, the way I see that as contributing is is just before the the. Um, mammoth extinction, for instance, 12,000 years ago, but the ocean temperatures went up. And of course, that was before humans were around, enough humans were around to have caused that. But anyway, the, the ocean temperatures went up. Well, what happens then is you have more uh, evaporation into the sky. And if it's going into skies that are cooler, then you're going to have uh, bigger and bigger snowstorms. And I just see that as as one of the other things is is watching those underwater volcanoes. When I started writing, not by fire but by ice, scientists thought there were ten thousand underwater volcanoes in the entire world uh, because they just figured that eighty percent of the world's glaciers were underwater. Well, that was in in nineteen ninety one when I started researching that. Then in 1993, they found, the scientists found another 1,100 underwater volcanoes off the coast of Easter Island. So all of a sudden, they increased the world's supply of, of underwater volcanoes by, by 10%. Well, those underwater volcanoes are pumping red-hot lava into the sea. That lava is 20, it's, it's more than 2,100 degrees hot. It's 10 times the boiling point. And so it's it's got to be heating the seas. Well, that was in, in 1991 that they thought there were 10,000 underwater volcanoes. Now, scientists at NASA estimate that there are probably 3 million underwater volcanoes. Oh, my word. And that's not that's not my word. That's official. That's that's from NASA. Uh, Three million underwater volcanoes. How could we get so, it so wrong? Oh, and and we still well, only five percent of the at that time only five percent of the ocean floor had ever been mapped in detail. And I don't know how much been mapped now, but they're still finding more. I mean, two years ago they found uh, three more underwater volcanoes just off of the. Uh, off of the coast of Italy, that were only like three miles off the coast, and, and nobody even knew they were there. Uh, there was uh, when they were searching—I forget the name of that airplane, the uh, uh, airplane that went down in in, in the Asian waters a couple of years ago. Oh, the Malaysian um, airline, yes, 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 the Malaysian airliner. Yeah, well, when they were searching for that, they discovered uh, um, other huge underwater volcanoes. 
And just this last year, they found another few, I think 50 huge underwater volcanoes, just uh, maybe 500 north miles north of, of New Zealand. So they're finding more. And some of these things, I mean, they're huge. These underwater volcanoes are, are the size of, of mountains. You know, they're, they're like a mile high, but they're still a half a mile underwater. So... You know, we just never knew, knew they were there. So what but then the, is, what's the overriding contributor? Is it the vol, underwater volcanism? Is it the cycles of the sun? Is it cosmic rays? What's really the the prime mover when we're talking about the Ice Age? I think, and you know, I'm not, I'm not alone on this, but I'm certainly in in the minority. But I think it has to do with the Earth's magnetic field, because our mag, and, and more specifically, to do with magnetic reversals, because our Earth, uh, right now, if you if you look at a, a compass, well, of course, the the compass points north toward the Arctic, but during half of history compasses would have pointed the other direction toward Antarctica. Um, and so our our magnetic field does sometimes reverse. Yes. Now, a, a lot of scientists, uh, if you look it up, you will probably find, they'll say that the last magnetic reversal was 780,000 years ago. Uh, the... Um, Boomhouse, Matayuma Boomhouse magnetic reversal. But what I see that they are ignoring is is magnetic excursions. Because magnetic excursions are times when when the North Pole has moved partway south and then moved back, or sometimes it's moved all the way south and then moved back within the within the next five hundred years. So these things very often don't show up in the geologic record because unless you happen to be digging through the exact quarter inch of, of soil at the right time, you're you're not going to notice that that magnetic reversal occurred. There was a magnetic excursion called the Gothenburg magnetic magnetic excursion that was eleven thousand five hundred years ago, and that's when the mammoths went extinct and, and the mastodons and the saber tooth tiger and the, the short-faced bear and, and so many, so many, 40% of the animals that weighed more than 100 pounds, the entire species went extinct. Um, 23,000 years ago, we had uh, the, I think it was a mono lake magnetic reversal. And again, there was a, a catastrophic ice age and there was an extinction. 33,500 years ago, there was uh, the Lake Mungo magnetic excursion or reversal, however you like to call it. And again, there was uh, an extinction. There was an ice age. And when I go back through the the list, uh, well, from about 127,000 years ago to 115,000 years ago, there was something called the Enian period. And that was an interglacial that's even warmer than today. And all of a sudden, that 
interglacial ended uh, with uh, the Blake magnetic reversal about 115,000 years ago. And we went, the Earth went from full-fledged warmth, even warmer than today, into full-fledged glacial severity in less than 100 years. Some people say it happened in less than 20 years. Hmm. So is there a correlation then between the solar cycles, the magnetic a reversal and underwater of volcanic activity. I think there is, and what that is, I think, and I don't know how this works, but I think our magnetic field uh, keeps tectonic forces in check. Uh, certainly, our magnetic field protects us a lot from from cosmic rays. And and as our magnetic field weakens, our because our before we go into a magnetic reversal, our magnetic field weakens and weakens and weakens and weakens, and that allows more and more cosmic rays to hit our planet. And apparently the particles in those cosmic rays can uh, attract a little bit of dirt to them, let's say. But anyway, it, it, it makes it snow more often. But I think that magnetic field also keeps tectonic forces in check so that as that magnetic field weakens and we have more and more volcanic activity both underwater and above so you got underwater volcanoes heating the seas while at the same time you've got the above water volcanoes are cooling the skies and to me that is the recipe for a disaster could could one of the warning signs then be uh in relation to the weakening magnetic field and the pole reversal, uh, you know, navigation systems go haywire in birds and fish. Yes. I read recently how fish have these little trout have metal, like almost like metal filings in their no their nostrils uh, that they use hmm. to navigate. Uh, and so, could we see, for example, birds falling out of the sky on mass, and and maybe trout not being able to to swim upstream to spawn? Well, I think we'd certainly see some of that. Uh, um, I know prior to big earthquakes in China, I mentioned this in the book, but prior to to big earthquakes, there have been times that the animals, well. The magnetic field will will often have drastic fluctu- fluctuations just prior to an earthquake, and catfish will often just jump out of the water, uh, which they don't normally do. And and uh, I've got one chapter called uh, "Earthquake Lights and Crazy Snakes" because before this one earthquake, they had huge earthquake lights that, that were just lighting up the sky in China, and at the same time, it was in the dead of winter. It was in February, something like four degrees below zero, but snakes started crawling out of the ground because they sensed something mm. and then they froze to death. So I don't know whether it's better to be caught in an earthquake or to be on top of the ground freezing <laughs> to death. But It's going to get us coming that. or going. Yeah, but, it, but uh, yeah, they do sense something for sure. Do you anticipate mass extinction like we had with the woolly mammoths? I don't know if it'll come with this little ice age, uh, but but certainly with the next ice age, uh, which I, you know I do think we're going into. But yes, I do, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of it is going to come from from a lack of food. I mean, I think one of the things I worry about is I think we will be fighting in the streets for food long before we're covered by ice. Hmm. Fascinating. 
and grim, a grim prognosis. It uh, is grim. I, you know, it is grim. And there'll be mass migrations out of the northern hemisphere into the south. Uh, imagine it that. Doesn't, doesn't have to be that far, though. You know, on my website, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, a map that shows how far south the the ice extended during the last ice age. Now, yeah, Toronto's not going to be. <laughs> too happy about this, but but not all of the world is covered with ice. You know, for instance, during the last ice age, Seattle was covered with about four thousand feet of ice, four oh fifths of a mile, straight up. Yeah, yeah, straight up. But that ice only extended as far south as Olympia, Washington. And if you'd have been one hundred and fifty miles south of Olympia, uh, it would have been only like seven degrees colder than it is right now. During the last ice age, Florida was probably, on average, only about three degrees colder than right now. Uh, the equatorial rainforest belt, as near as they can tell, the temperature would have been almost the same as right now. So it's just the far north. I mean, it, it, well, if you look at the map on, on my website, there's um, the ice extends, it covered, it covered uh, Seattle, and then it... it went east, it uh, did not cover uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, but then it covered uh, a lot of Montana, but north of the Missouri River, there, as near as glaciologists can tell, there was an ice cliff about 15 stories tall, but south of the Missouri River, people could have been living there. Hmm. Now, Toronto was covered, I think Chicago was covered, all of New England was covered, New York City was covered, and the the terminal moraine where the, the glacier dumps all of the rock and detritus, actually that terminal moraine is what created uh, Long Island. Ah, interesting. But, right. but south, of, south of there, you could have survived. If you, if you didn't have food, you could have survived. Well, that's the, uh, that's the rub, isn't it? So where are we going to grow the food? <laughs> that will be a question, is <clears throat> You know this this that wall this wall that we're talking about uh, between Canada and between the United States and Mexico. It may be the American the U.S. residents will be wanting to go the other direction across that wall. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> That's why he's putting there, a door there, <laughs> a yeah, two-way door. It, it swings both ways. <laughs> Yes. Uh, during the last ice age, as near as I can tell, the American Southwest was a lot wetter than it is now. So, I mean, you know, people aren't going to be able to make that adjustment immediately, but, but uh, eventually uh, I think you'll see more farming in the American Southwest and, and uh, probably more farming in the t parts of Texas than they have now. So, but this doesn't, uh, you know, it, it, you know, a farmer in, in Alberta whose fields are covered by ice, he's not going to be able to sell that, and he's not going to have any money to, to move somewhere else to start a new farm. So it's going to take a while before civilization, I think, can adjust to this. You know, previous civilizations have collapsed in sync with the Little Ice Age cycle. The, the uh, Roman civilization collapsed in sync with the Little Ice Age cycle. The, the Grecian civilization did, the Sumerian. Uh, even uh, Genghis Khan, he, he, he came out of the north during one of the, the Ice Age cycles. So uh, I think we will see civilization, some civilizations collapse. 
And in terms of, I don't know if you can answer this, uh, we'll speculate, 7 billion plus souls on the planet now after the Ice Age takes full effect, what will that do to the Earth's population? Oh, I don't think I want to go there. I, I just, I hate to even think of that. I, I, I hate to put words to it. Well, that says a lot. By saying nothing, yeah. actually, that says a lot. Okay. And how long would the Ice Age last? The last one, uh, the, the last big one, started about 23,000 years ago, and it lasted for 5,000 years before it started melting. So uh, that's a lot of generations. Mm. Now, it, it'll be huge. Now, interesting, um, this is different subject, I guess, but I, I'm going to be visiting the Philippines this, this year, and I hope I can get over to Indonesia a little bit. But during the last ice age, uh, a large part of Indonesia was actually connected to the, to the mainland. And hmm. there was actually, uh, there was actually, it was a continent sized area that is now underwater. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there are all sorts of ancient cities down there, uh, you know, 300 feet below the, below the present water line that uh, will eventually be above water. Florida during the last ice age was twice as big as it is today because so much of the of, the, of it was up out of the water. The, New Jersey, uh, the shoreline was a hundred miles further east than it is now. So uh, mammoths would have been cavorting in fields there, a hundred miles east of, of where they can where the water edge of the water is right now so it will really change and all that land coming up out of the water that changes rainfall patterns it changes snowfall patterns it changes drought patterns everything will change but you know some of it all in those areas it'll happen so slowly almost imperceptibly to people probably I want to just end on a uh, kind of a lighter note. Uh, yes. You know, you were talking about magnetic reversals, and something has always bothered me. When I have a compass and it's pointing north, and since opposites attract, shouldn't the North Pole really be called the South Pole? <laughs> well, it will be again one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> it will move there. Now, ask airline pilots. You know, they 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 have to the. Uh, Airports have to keep track of where magnetic north is for for the pilots to know where they're going, and and quite a few airports are having to repaint their signs because magnetic north has been moving. Well, we have been warned, and um, uh, as you say, though it may be it, it may be sort of imperceptible in the beginning, but uh, it we may now be in the midst or in the very early stages, the beginning of another ice age. I think it'll be imperceptible for people south of where the ice extended, but I think for people in the north, it could happen, I think, within the next 20 years. 20 years. All right. Yes. Thank you so much for this, Robert. It's always a pleasure, and we won't leave it so long the next time. Thank you, Richard. I've enjoyed this. Robert Felix, give us the website. It is iceagenow.info. Info. IceAgeNow.info. All right, check out the map, see where you're at. Thanks again, Robert. Good night. Thanks, Richard. 
Well, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I want to give you a heads up on what's coming up on episode 29 of Conspiracy Unlimited. But before that, a little housekeeping, it is a Friday, and of course, that means we draw a winner from our list of emails, and let's see who it is this week. Uh, Darlene in Lansing, Michigan. All right, Darlene, congratulations. I will drop a Strange Planet Volume 2 CD in the post for you today. Now, if you want to get in on the action, it's real simple. All you need to do to participate in our weekly contest is subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't already done so, and then rate, review it, and grab a screenshot of that. Rate it, review it, grab a screenshot, and email it to me at richardserrett one at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your name and mailing address, Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, the numeral one, at gmail.com. Good luck. Let me ask you, is weight loss on your wish list? Unfortunately, the commitment to weight loss often fades. Most people simply give up in the first 90 days. The key is having the right mindset. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes. And hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Stephen G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram the mind and replace bad habits with vibrant, positive, new habits and help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out weight loss hypnotherapy right now at smartclicksavings.com. That's smartclicksavings.com. Coming up on Conspiracy Unlimited, historical Bigfoot reports dating back to the 1800s. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.